and welcome to the Courtney Turner Radio Hour. We are here on Worldwide Radio, WWCR, and it's an honor to spend this hour with you on Monday, the 26th of February. And today we are going to talk a little bit more about last week. I did a little bit of the history of education. I was talking about how I went to the Senate and my experience there, the the, the, the state capitol, not the uh, federal um, but yeah, so I went to state capitol and I was talking a little bit about my experience of talking to them about school choice and how I think it's very misleading and it really means government control, government school choice, not, uh, you know, truly school choice, which we already have. I mean, with our rights do not come from the government, right? Uh, so the constitution is to limit the rights of the government and to protect our inalienable rights. So we do have school choice without all of the bells and whistles that they want to sell us. So uh, yeah, and that was a, another brick in the wall was a, based on that Pink Floyd song. It's one of my favorite songs growing up. And now it has just even deeper meaning for me. So, uh, but before we begin, I want to let you know that I will be filming this as well. So if you want to recap and you want to see some of the visuals, please go to CourtneyTurner.com. And I spell my name a little bit differently. So if you don't spell it correctly, you will not find me. It is like Courtenay. So C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y-T-U-R-N-E-R.com. And uh, I welcome any kind of support that you can give uh, so that I can continue to do this and continue to bring this research and uh, share my experiences. And hopefully that's useful to you and of value. And if you feel that it is, please support the podcast. Uh, you can uh, even send uh, to P.O. Box 680093, Franklin, Tennessee, 37068. And that is for those who prefer the snail mail version of support, which I know a lot of people are going analog these days. So again, that P.O. Box is 680093, Franklin, Tennessee, 37068. And uh, I welcome any kind of support, even just letters. And, you know, you want to tell me uh, what you like, what you'd like to see more of, uh, what you, you know, your preferences are. I welcome that. You can buy me a coffee on the website. Uh, you can do a gifts and go. I have that at the very top. And uh, there's all sorts of products. You can just do a Venmo uh, element. Is a really great product. I really love them. Most of us are not getting enough salt, magnesium, and potassium in our day. And particularly those of us who like to train, it is incredibly important for top optimal performance. And they're super yummy as well. So I, I like in the winter, they have a, a chocolate med medley. And some of those are really great done hot. So I recommend that. And the Magic Die Call, I've just done a couple of episodes on... Uh, that I think the next one is going to be releasing soon. I haven't released the second one yet. Uh, but we, on the first one, we talked all about the product, Nanosoma. And uh, I am a huge fan of their skin cream. I was talking about how a lot of skin creams just sit on your skin. This really just goes right in and absorbs. So, um, and I'm using the spray currently myself. And uh, I think that it's, they're great stuff. So you can watch that episode, learn more about the product, if that's something of interest to you. And uh, yeah, so at me to your crowd, that uh, crowd rank is like where we can create our own aggregates of news so that we can, uh, you know, basically be our own drudge reports and do it through a social media platform so that we can uh, create our own uh, media where we're not dependent on what the, 
you know, mainstream is trying to feed us. So you can go over there, check out my uh, crowd and uh, send me some love over there. And uh, yeah, the sauna and we have so much to cover. So you can, the RNC, rncstore.com, use the code, you use the code courts on all of them, but you can go check out my website. I won't go through all the rest of them because we have a lot of material to cover. Um, but yeah, I have really great products there and, you know, find what's of interest to you, or if you just want to directly support the podcast, yeah, there's my Venmo. So, uh, before we dive in, uh, yeah, I do want to go a little deeper. As I said, I would, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of time and I don't even know that I'm really going to finish all of it today in this one hour. It's just a lot, but, um, I will start covering some of Anthony Sutton's, uh, order of skull and bones. And uh, he has a whole chapter on how the order controls education. And so I'm going to do a little covering of that, which, and I'm also going to play some clips from Charlotte Iserbitten. And I recommended her book last time as well, which is The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. And I cannot highly recommend her work enough. Um, as you can see, if you are watching, you can see how thick this book is. If you are listening, you can go and look up, I mean, Amazon, really anywhere uh, to look for her book. But I recommend that you get the full edition. She does have an abridged one. I know we live in a soundbite society and people want to get, you know, things as quick as possible. They want the cliff notes of everything. Uh, but I really recommend you get the full full edition uh, because there's so many great resources. She has several appendixes and, and glossaries. You know, I think that the, half the book is just the, the book itself, which is like 450 pages or something. And uh, maybe I'm not exactly right, but it's well over 400. And then the it's almost that much just for the appendix and the glossaries. So it's really just a wealth of information. And she was a whistleblower. She worked for the Reagan administration and she, um, her father and her grandfather were skull and bones. So she definitely had a lot of inside information and she really blew the whistle on what the plans were for education. So today I went to, this morning, I went to see Chrisanne Hall speak and she is awesome. She's a force. I, you know, I'd seen some of her work, but to see her in person was really a treat. Uh, yeah. So if you're watching, there's, there's my tweet with the picture of me and her, and she has agreed to do a podcast. So I will be, uh, scheduling that pretty soon. She calls herself the Liberty Addict, addict and she is a constitutional lawyer. Uh, but she really goes, you know, very deep into, uh, explaining the constitution and our constitutional uh, rights, which are really not rights that are granted by the constitution, rather uh, inalienable rights that are protected uh, through this document. And it was, yeah, she was really fantastic. And it was great to see there were a lot of our, uh, you know, legislators who were there. And I had a very interesting experience talking to one of them because I was there the woman who had organized this event, who is phenomenal. I mean, she really deep dives on, uh, you know, a lot of these bills. And we've been emailing back and forth because she knew I went to go speak to the, to the Agricultural Committee about the NACs, the Natural Asset Company. And she shared this with one of the uh, representatives. And he said, yeah, I was there. I saw it. <laughs> and uh, then he told, he was telling me how that people are trying to 
put the, he was talking about the agricultural bill that was being put forth. And I said, yeah, that needs to be stopped. I actually mentioned it in my speech that you saw uh, when I came to testify for the uh, agricultural subcommittee. And uh, uh, he said, well, I think that one's going to fail, but there's a forestry bill. And I said, yes, that one needs to be stopped too. <laughs> and uh, he said he wrote that. <laughs> and uh, I, I said, well, I, I really think it needs to be stopped. And I explained why. And he said, well, people are conflating the two. He said, people are intertwining them. They're not related. And I said, I understand they're not related at all. Uh, however, I think they're both bad. <laughs> um, and I explained to him that, you know, I thought that it was because it's laying the groundwork. And just as I had outlined in my, you know, when I was giving my presentation to them, that this is incrementalism, Fabian socialism, incrementalism, where they're laying foundation. And I said, I'm very concerned about laying groundwork for green police. We do not need green police. This is in the plans of the elites that they're going to have green police. And uh, we certainly don't need to be helping them at the local level. So uh, stay tuned for that. I, I will be following up on that. And hopefully I can, you know, get rally some people and we can put a stop to that. Because I think that that is not good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So maybe we'll start with... Uh, I want to start with the Charlotte Isabitten's clip on school choice, and we'll talk about that before I get into uh, some of the origins of the history and continue that because I didn't have time last time. So, school choice is the vehicle. Did you ever think such an innocent sounding thing like school choice is the vehicle to get every child in the computer worldwide? Spain. Yeah, our choice. Now, all I'm saying is, if, if we took all the documents that we have, starting back at the end of the last session, late 1800s actually, and went into a court of law, the judge would laugh. And he'd say, you know, you're still guilty hands down. This is absolutely the greatest tragedy that has taken place in public education. And I'm not, and the teachers have been fighting behind closed doors, believe it or not, and everybody beats up on teachers. Why? When you know, when you find out the history of this, what I'm going to be giving you today, you will know that this whole system, this whole education thing would have crashed we would have had school choice long ago. We would have had the Skinner method across the board, which of course it is now because of computers, Pavlov. Long ago, they've been fighting. Not all, some of them are, why would I have written the great big book delivered dumbing down of America with all the documentation that I have. If I supported public education, you know, to the extent that you, you think I am right now, I do. I support public education over the destruction of the, the system that we have, the greatest education system in the world pre-1965. That's where we have to go back to. Because the alternative is Lou Gerstner, Bill Gates, the Heritage Foundation, by the way, is supporting the parents who are upset about Communist Corps, Heritage Foundation drafted the North American Free Trade Agreement. So how upset could they really be about Communist Corps? Communist Corps and school choice go together. It's like 
Apple pie without the cheese is like the kiss without the squeeze. <laughs> school choice and charters, school choice charters and communist core work together because communist core is workforce training. Oh. It's a completely different kind of education, Marxist critical thinking, etc. So I haven't dealt much with communist core because we've had that for many, many years, ever since the, the federal government, uh, the Northwest Regional Lab out in Portland, Oregon, developed 50,000 goals for the schools and set them all over. This was in the 1970s. So you think we haven't had this? In Maine, we had health education, and one of the objectives for uh, ninth graders, so it's not, you know, not kindergarten at least, we would be kindergarten now, was for them to understand the three types of sexual intercourse, including with animals. What do three? Yeah. Yes. And so that's what they wanted our children to understand. Now, if, if people think, so I'm trying to say communist core is bad. We've had it for a long time. We've had terrible curriculum. We've had terrible objectives. All out of UNESCO, basically. UN. Let me point out, the UN agenda, UNESCO agenda, every, out of 20 education advisors, this was in the 70s, this is saying now, 19 came from communist countries. So, 19 out of 20. And we wonder why we've got communist court. We also have it because uh, President Reagan signed the agreements with Gorbachev that merged the two education systems in 1985. Good. And we've had that. And Carnegie signed the agreement with the Soviet Academy of Science, uh, which you know, unbelievable, developed to work together to develop computer courseware for early elementary school children in critical thinking. Critical thinking for early elementary. Think about it. Uh, uh It's all no absolutes. Lenin defined thinking as nothing is absolute. Everything is changing. So that's communist core. That's why one and one is three. Wow. So there's so much in there to unpack, but can you believe that? I mean, she gave that speech. I don't know exactly where it's from. I found it on YouTube. So I don't know exactly what conference she was at where she was giving the speech. Um, but I, the, the video was from 10 years ago. So I, I'm assuming it was sometime around then. And, uh, you know, she's talking about things from the seventies. So we think so much of what we see is new, but it's not. Again, this is, this, this is incrementalism. They, they slowly plug away and they lay the foundation, they lay groundwork. Um, and this agenda is so old. I'm, when I, uh, go into Sutton's work, we're going to talk about going all the way back to the 1800s. So this is really not new, but she's talking about common core, which I think is what common core is. I think that's what she's calling it. Um, but I, I couldn't find, you know, confirmation on that, but I do think that's what she means. Um, and it's, you know, very clearly to build global citizens. That's what this is about. It's about making you a cog in the machine in the global workforce. And, uh, you know, she talks about the, like the Carnegie Foundation documents and how, how they say that this is what it's all about, how they're trying to go, the, the whole school choice agenda, which I started to talk about last week, was all, it's all about getting, they're not satisfied with just having every student under the umbrella 
that, you know, who's already in the public school system to have them, to have control over them, to have uh, data mining on them. They're not satisfied with them, with that. What they want is to get every student. So they want to get a hold of all the private schools, uh, children, all of the homeschool children so that they're in the system too. And they have full control and not just control, but they want data. They want to data mine these these kids. And uh, that's essentially what, what she's saying. She's talking about how that's clearly written in the documents that every uh, child needs to be in the computer. And this is what she means, right? Because they want to create, and I've talked about this many times, they want to create an AI world society. Uh, you know, and you can go right to the UN 100 and look at their whole, they have a whole website on this. Uh, this is in conjunction with the Boston Global Forum. Uh, Michael, uh, go Former Governor Michael Dukakis uh, wrote this book. It's uh, Remaking the World, the Age of Global Enlightenment. And they, they talk about creating an AI world society. Of course, Ukraine is the hub of this AI world society. And there will be lots of offshoots, in, you know, uh, all these smart cities, 15-minute uh, cities, the C40. They call it all sorts of different names. But it's really about creating a virtual world, essentially. And uh, that's they need to have everybody in the system. So, of course, they want to get the children. And they want to make them into great world servers. I did that whole... Uh, episode on the Lucius Trust, right? And wasn't wasn't that what they called them? World servers. So you you see how once you start looking at all these things and you every rock you turn, you, you see that this is all connected. Uh, this is not new. None of it is new. And they it's not like these are not separate. Uh, all of these things to seem to tie together. And then we're just talking about how uh, 19 or 20 members of UNESCO were all from communist countries. Of course, they had this men mentality and this mindset. Um, and they were eugenicists as well. <laughs> so as I had mentioned, Julian Huxley uh, was one of the forerunners of UNESCO, and he was uh, a member of the British UNESCO, uh, Eugenic Society. So I, we don't have a tremendous amount of time. So I want to play this other clip because I just think, you know, hearing it from Charlotte, she is just such a powerhouse. And I, I wish I had found her work earlier, but I can't recommend, you know, if you really, if you want to understand the roots of education uh, and how we got to where we are today. And it's really important. I just want to say, because if once you have the children, right, then you, you, you have everybody, really. You have the future generation. So they're trying to get them not just through indoctrination, but they they want to really have full control over them. And when you look into some of the work of uh, where, I don't know if I have the book with me, but my friend, oh, I do, uh, School World Order, my friend John Kleisik, uh did a phenomenal job. This is the Technocratic Globalization of Corporate Education. Um, so yeah, I recommend if you're interested in that. It's not just about brainwashing and indoctrination, although that is, of course, very much a, a key component because they want to breed these, uh, you know, this global workforce and to train, not educate. So we're going to get into that a bit, too. It's really all about training, not education. And uh, I guess before I play the clip, I'll just read this from Charlotte's book because it outlines the differences in the definitions of what education was. So we had, uh, at one point, the definition of education, and this comes from uh, the New Century Dictionary of the English Language. Uh, so this was new, published in New York, 1927. Going back to 1927, it says, the drawing out of a person's innate talents and abilities 
by imparting knowledge of languages, scientific reasoning, history, literature, rhetoric, etc. The channels through which those abilities would flourish and serve. So essentially, this is providing them with uh, knowledge and tools, right? This is a, a kind of the reminiscent of like Plato's uh, trivium or quadrivium. We give them the rhetoric, grammar, grammar, uh, geometry, and, uh, you know, that creates the foundation for them to, and the tools for them to take that knowledge and then harness their talents and their passion and to use those tools to pursue uh, you know, whatever skills they, they may want to acquire. But it, it's creating foundations for critical thinking. That's really what education initially was, and that's what it was designed to do. However, then just, uh, you know, uh, less than 10 years later, really, it was uh, in an outline of educational psychology, Barnes & Noble, New York, 1934. So less than a decade later, they then decide that the definition of education is learning is the result of modify modifiability, right? So it's all about being able to, uh, you know, manipulate and shape modifiability in the path of neural conduction. Uh, so I'm just going to interrupt. This is uh, me, not the definition I'm not reading anymore. Uh, but I want to say, doesn't that sound like they're, you know, paving the way for a transhuman uh, type of uh, agenda? They're it's all about the neural uh, activity, neurological activity, and it makes you into, we're just these like biomechanical robots and learning is just about programming us, which I would argue that's not what learning is, but that's when they change the definition. So I'll continue. Explanations of even such forms of lear learning as abstraction and generalization demand of the neurons only growth, excitability, conductivity, and modifiability. The mind is the connection system of man, and learning is the process of connecting. The situation response formula is adequate to cover learning of any sort, and the really influential factors in learning are readiness of the neurons, sequence in time, belongingness, and satisfying consequences. Wow. There's just so much in there. And you can see, which we'll get into, the Levuntian and Hegelian influences of that definition. It is radically different uh, from the one that I read from just 1927. So uh, let's play the other clip from Charlotte Isabitten from the same conference. And uh, it's a pretty easy search to find. Uh, this whole video is, uh, I think, about an hour long. But we'll play a few minutes from that one. Uh, this is called... Abolishing representative government through education. Common core, choice, and target schools. Transforming America one city at a time. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just I want you to understand this is the most important thing being written on education today. It's everything out there about communist core. Take the time to get this. Is this country at a tipping point? How do you transform our republic? There are four main issues which she discusses in this article. Governance, removing locally elected school fees, school officials, that's the school choice of by tax money, going into private education, no elected boards, following the law, model of charter schools, which are international, by the way. Sarah Bachung Show. 
the office court work. That's what I'm going to discuss today. Well, to funding, ushering in federal choice and vouchers under the reauthorization of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, which will change our system of taxing and financing schools to one where the funding will follow the child. Sorry. This is also a means to control private schools and expand charter schools. Charter schools. Replacing your local neighborhood school with a zealous for-profit agenda, corporations, right? So that there will no longer be parent or voter input or elected school boards, specifically with an aim to kill public education. And I want to point out now, as I forgot to put it later on, the uh, former head of Xerox called on uh, uh, President Obama, Gerstner, Lou Gerstner, in the Wall Street Journal, called on President Obama five years ago and last July to pull down all 16,000 public school districts. That should scare you more than anything else happening in this country. What does he mean? He doesn't mean the brick and mortar. He wants to get rid of the elected school boards. You will have no say, and even if they kill communist court, if you allow the school choice agenda to go forward, your child will end up in a school with a common core that is probably even worse because nobody will be complaining about it because you will not have an elected official. Don't. And the last thing, common core standards, ushering in a system of individualized psychotherapeutic learning, the standardization of teaching, testing, and technology in all 50 states, nationalizing education, and challenging traditional education based on academics to a workforce training model. Go. So look. No grades, no competition, no case of 12, graduate 14 or 29. That's the model. It copies the Soviet education model. I have the, the Soviet, uh, we've got the Soviet paper that some educators brought over in 1959 after Eisenhower signed the first agreement with the Soviet Union, merging all of our services in Eisenhower did that in 1958. In 1959, the Office of Education set about 20 educators over to the Soviet Union to do a report on Soviet education. And we were lucky enough to get it through, who, who guess how? <laughs> our farmer in Ohio was at the state capitol one day. One of our people. Wasn't really looking for anything in particular. I think he needed something to do with seeds. And he found the report lying on a table somewhere. It's in my, at my son's website, americandeception.com on Soviet education. That's what's going in now. Because we have to have the Soviet polytech system. That's the global system going in for our children. No more education. Training. And C.S. Lewis put it well when he said, he's great, and he uses a few words. I need I'll bring C.S. Lewis. When training beats education, civilization dies. There will be no more art, no more music. Your child will be put into a, a slot determined by the public-private partnerships, the corporations which are dictating everything. 
that goes on in the school set. They're getting rid of academic teachers that don't need them anymore. Everything's computers, uh, no more books. Uh, the workforce training system, which I will explain to you where it came from, which is pretty frightening in itself, uh, is the name of the game. Lifelong learning, we, well, we call it limited learning for lifelong labor. Sound familiar? That's what's going in. And that's why you should, don't let the standards issue divert you too much, please. Because the issue is basically to stop all forms of school choice that are tax funded. There's only one real school choice. And that's what we've always had, where you have to sit down, it's very painful, and you write a check. The minute you take a penny of federal money, or state, or tax, or even local, you are controlled. You have to take that nasty assessment that all the parents are upset with, with communist core. And I love calling it communist core, because that's what it is. Absolutely. Oh, by the way, there's a picture of Alger Hiss. He was bringing back the UN Charter. This is Life Magazine. Hey, Alger, how are you? <laughs> well, you succeeded. We got in the schools now. Okay, now, uh, the goal since the 1900s, that's that, how far back it goes. The socialist global system to create, to create the new Soviet man. Worker bees. Carnegie Corporation has been in bed for a long time pushing this thing in. Uh, you can call it corporate fascism, socialism, communism, we're not in some form of government. But basically, when I'm talking about the school to work agenda, that's definitely communism. And uh, I want to point out that one of the contrasts for this system going in, his name is David Bornback. He was a superintendent of East Carnegie Corporation, right? Superintendent of schools in Maryland way back when. And he called for mandatory community service. That's the plan. We will all be required to do mandatory community service. Now, in order for them to get this agenda in, lifelong, what I'm talking about, this horrible agenda. Uh, that's just the computer. The computer, the global computerized system requires that every heartbeat on this planet be in the computer. There can be no, no gaps. No homeschoolers left out there, no private school, no religious school. By the way, the Catholics are in major trouble. Because they're using one of Carnegie's top people, a professor, a behavioral psychologist by the name of Lee Shulman, who was responsible for half the inner city kids dropping out in Chicago after the Skinner method was used on them for 12 years. He was responsible for that. He's received nothing but promotions all the way through, even at one time being the president of the Carnegie Foundation for the Advancement of Teaching. Now, I would not have found this out, but I'm going to tell you without the help of a really good friend who's Catholic, who's been doing tremendous research on Common Core as it applies to Catholic education. Believe it or not, the Catholics are really moving big time with Common Core going into Catholic schools. 
And I had, I just read this thing for, out of Chicago, because I have the old papers from the Chicago Mastery Learning, where half the inner city kids dropped out. Uh, Education Week called it a human tragedy of enormous proportions. Well, the man in charge, Lee Shulman, is now, hey, I didn't know. I wondered where he'd gone. He's in charge of Catholic Common Core. Three. So that's for anybody, well, it's for all of us. I mean, if you lose the Catholic education, which really was the only thing left that was pretty good education, there's nothing left. Now, um, the, the way they're going to take us down, this has been planned for many, many years, and we have the original documents on community education, it's called. Yeah, wow. Um, she, she's phenomenal. So that was actually from the Save Long Island Forum, and it was uh, January 18th of uh, 2014. So you can look that up. Uh, I think it's just, it's on YouTube. It's like, you know, one of the things that they, they left up, I guess it was before the big purge. So you, you can still find that. And uh, just for those of you who don't, are not familiar with Charlotte Isabitton, she served as a senior policy advisor in the Office of Educational Research and Improvement, U.S. Department of Education, where she blew the first whistle, where she first blew the whistle on major technology initiative, which would control the curriculum in America's classroom. Today, she warns of communist core, as she calls it. So she did say there, it is common core. Uh, but she calls it communist core because that is what it is, as she says. Uh, and the dangers of school choice, which is what I, you know, I, the last episode I, I had done was about uh, how it is really misleading. This is marketing. We already have school choice. Uh, what they want is really government school choice, which is not a choice. It is control. Uh, and, uh, you know, whatever the government funds, it runs, right? So, yeah, so that is really what they're looking to get every soul, every child into this computer system. Really, they want every soul. Uh, and, and I use the word soul intentionally, but they, they want everybody to be in this computer system to build their AI world society. And uh, of course, they really do want to get a hold of the children because if they can get a hold of the children, that's the future generations. It's much easier uh, to then control everyone in the future. Uh, so yeah, uh, that is, uh, but so let's go through some of the history. Um, I also wanted to mention, yeah, it's a, just a personal, a couple of personal references. Interesting that she says how the Catholic education, this is back in 2014 when she did the speech, was one of the few left, uh, really good, solid educations left. And uh, I remember when I, I was in elementary school and we were looking for different schools, my dad had actually looked at, we are not Catholic at all. My dad actually was an atheist, but uh, he felt that their education system was really good. And so he did consider putting me in Catholic parochial school. The other thing I wanted to comment on uh, was the con community service. And I actually went to a private high school. And even in there, in a private high school, because I'm sure they had some uh, government funding because it was not completely private. This is a uh, you know misconception that a lot of people have, that if it's private, then it's completely independent. That is only true if they take no funds uh, and they have no uh, you know, regulations under the government. And so we had to do community service and I, I actually had a really good time with it. So I, I have no uh, ill feelings about it, although I understand the bigger agenda tied to it, as she was pointing out. Uh, but for me, I did, uh, I worked with the uh, local JCC and I, I was the assistant director for their plays. 
So I choreographed all of the dances. I actually really enjoyed it. It was really fun working with the kids. Uh, so it's just a personal note, but I, you know, at the time, of course, didn't realize that there was a much bigger agenda tied to that. So I had started, we're going to do a little bit of a recap. Uh, if there's me who may have missed last week, just so that it doesn't, so it still makes sense to you. Uh, but I had started to cover where this comes from. And, you know, it does. And we're, I'm pulling out of Anthony Sutton's Order of Skull and Bones. Yeah, the whole middle uh, section of the book, really a third of the book, is about how the order controls education. And both uh, Sutton and Charlotte Isabitten and... Uh, Another really great resource on all of this is John Taylor Gatto. I can't believe I don't have his book here, but I, I definitely need to get a hold of it. Uh, but I have read his work and I've, I've watched, I actually, uh, Richard Grove, who I was just on his show today, he did a, a VIP, very independent producer summit. And I, that was an honor to be there uh, with them. Uh, really great, wonderful people, very impressive people. So it was a huge honor. Um, but he uh, did this great, uh, interview with um, John Taylor Gatto. It was five hours long. So if you can get a hold of that, that will be a wealth of information as well. He wrote Dumbing Us Down, The Hidden Curriculum Com of Compulsory Schooling. Uh, and again, that's John Taylor Gatto. So I, he, so these, they all go back to Wilhelm Wundt. And I do as well. That's a, oftentimes I think people find it a little bit, even when I do my Tavistock research, I really point it back to Wilhelm Wundt. I think he's kind of the uh, real, uh, you know, pivotal kind of seminal uh, figure to move the needle forward, uh, both with uh, Tavist. And there's lots of overlap actually with some of this. And, you know, they don't mention it. I was watching another another interview with Charlotte Isabitten, which I did not pull clips from, but you can find that one on, uh, you know, Alex Jones. It's from years ago, I think around the similar time frame, though. Um, and uh, she talks a lot about like the national training labs. And uh, let me see if I can find it. Those actually start with uh, the, that's that's Tavistock. She doesn't mention it, but but it is Tavistock. Uh, and that was a uh, I forgot his first. I think it's Frederick Emery, but it's definitely Emery. Uh, and it's uh, where they were doing these uh, sensitivity training. And this is where you see this in corporate America now all over the place. Uh, but back then they actually called it brainwashing. And uh, this this was Tavistock. And this was, they would put together these uh, sensitivity training groups. And this is also, uh, you know, comes out of this, uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, Esalen did a lot of these groups. And there were lots of offshoots of these groups. I actually did two of them. <laughs> and I ended up staffing. Uh, I remember I staffed and I staffed my sister in it. So, and I totally knew, like, they would play the song Imagine uh, every time you walked in, every time you left and everybody be holding hands, crying. And I remember telling my sister, I said, this is totally like communist brainwashing. That's what this is. Uh, and now I, you know, at the time I didn't really have the, uh, you know, I hadn't done the research. I didn't know the history. I didn't have the historical context to, to provide that. I just knew it intuitively. And it absolutely is. It comes out of these like Esalen, uh, you know, or sensitive sensitivity training groups that national training labs did these. And, uh, Kurt Lewin had, uh, his, uh, training labs and really was all about group dynamics. And in these groups, which landmark is the most famous one, people may have heard of landmark forum that they have these offshoots all over they're not necessarily landmark they're not esalen but they're offshoots and they all do something very similar 
And it is the same thing where, because it's this idea that you pour your heart out, it's like group therapy. And then you, you know, her words was, well, uh, you know, it's a way of uh, eroding uh, individualism and breeding a collective. And, uh, you know, her words were that, you know, of course, once you've poured your heart out in these groups, then you're dependent on those people because they then now know the most intimate, you know, deepest secrets about you. This is, of course, also how secret societies operate, right? They could then they can blackmail you. They have leverage over you. Uh, so I thought it was really interesting. There definitely there were some other overlaps where, you know, I was just listening to uh, that interview and I, I was thinking, OK, she hasn't mentioned it. Neither does Sutton. He doesn't mention Tavistock, but there's definitely connections. Now, Sutton does say that he feels further research should be done on the connection between the Illuminati and the Order of Skull and Bones. And uh, uh, he, you know, he does he draws some parallels and definitely points out some, you know, figures, key figures that are very much uh, intertwined or connected, uh, but he doesn't necessarily come to that conclusion. However, uh, you know, they, there's definitely ties like even uh, with Wilhelm Bundt, uh, you know, and his grandfather was uh, Carl uh, Kirschenrat Casimir Bundt. And, uh, yeah, he was uh, he was definitely connected to the Illuminati. He was known as Raphael in the Illuminati, and uh, there were uh, ties to uh, Skull and Bones because the eleventh uh, Marquis of Tavistock uh, was the Duke of Bedford. He who donated the building that you know he was named after Tavistock, uh, but in nineteen twenty when they were he designated it for shell shock therapy research, and uh, he was related to uh, William Ian Russell, who was the co-founder of Skull and Bones. Um, so along with Alfonso Taft. And of course, Taft is related to President Taft. So we, you can already see, uh, you know, how all of these uh, connections are intertwined. Um, and of course, a lot of these comes out of like Marxist theory, which again has Illuminati connections. I, I mentioned this previously, but I'll you know give you the really most rundown. Uh, essentially, the a uh, lot of people say, and when you and you read it yourself, there's several books you can uh, get. Like the uh, uh, it was a what's his name? Um, I'm blanking. Emmanuel. Uh, uh, I'm totally blanking him. I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he did a book, uh, which shows you the, uh, Adam Weishaupt's Illuminati Manifesto. And then it also shows you Clinton Roosevelt's, uh, the, uh, science of law base founded on, no, wait, the, uh, I'm totally blank. Science of government. That's it. Science of government founded on natural law. And uh, he basically makes the argument, and you can see it just when you read the text itself, uh, that basically the Communist Manifesto, Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto, plagiarizes off of those two. And uh, this, you can see the, uh, you know, the the line, how this, uh, this, you know, the the train of how this came to be, because uh, the. Uh, the Illuminati got shut down, you know, in the late 1700s, but then the documents, uh, you know, were revealed to the, the Bavarian government. And when they got shut down, they went underground. And some of the offshoots were League of the Outlaws and then League of the Just. Now, League of the Just was, would be translated League, League of Just Men. They're kind of like your 
progenitor to the social justice warriors we have today. But of course, it was helmed by Engels and Marx. And then from there, Engels led the Communist uh, League. And he had a manifesto, which he drew, in, and this is a, of his own admission. He drew from Clinton Roosevelt's uh, uh, book, and he, uh, but it's very similar to Adam Weishaupt's Illuminati manifesto as well. And uh, a lot of, they actually didn't even put Karl Marx's name on it initially. They did a lot of publicity. Uh, they had him write several articles. They commissioned him to write along those lines. And then later they put his name on it. So they did a whole PR campaign for him and then put his name on it. So you can see there's already direct connection to Illuminati. Um, but that was one of the things that uh, Sutton points out, that there should be further research. So we'll backtrack a little bit. And I want to, I know I've talked a lot about, yes, here is the League of the Just uh, it was a Christian Communist International Revolutionary Organization founded in 1836 by branching off from its four former ancestor, uh, the League of the Outlaws, as I had just mentioned. Of course, the League of the Outlaws, uh, you know, comes out of the uh, the Illuminati when they went, you know, underground and they, um, so the, this one of the things that Sutton says, and I think this is really important for people to understand, I've talked a lot about the Hegelian dialectic and how that gets weaponized, essentially. And this is very relevant to understanding how uh, the order controlled education. And so I uh, says, above all, the reader must at least temporarily, while reading this work, put one aside, put to one side the descriptive cliches of the left and the right, liberal and conservative, communist and fascist, even Republican and Democrat. These terms may be important for self-recognition, but they do provide a context of certain reassurance, but they are confusing in our context unless seen as elements in a game plan. You will never understand the order if you try to label it left or right. And I think I did a tweet not too long ago talking about how I think a lot of times those labels, people tend to think of them in philosophical constructs. But more often than not, what I observe in practice is that they become target audiences for marketing. And this is, of course, how the Hegelian dialectic, uh, you know, works as an operation, if you will, for uh, psychological warfare operation or political warfare purposes. So he says, hypothesis number three, the order uses the Hegelian dialectical process to bring about a society in which the state is the absolute, all powerful. And this is really important to understand because it doesn't matter whether it's left, right. It is, you know, this is the roots. The roots is that the state is the all powerful. So I will just really briefly, you know, the, we think of problem, we think of thesis, antithesis, synthesis, uh, you know, problem, reaction, solution. Thesis, antithesis, synthesis actually came from uh, Ficke, who was a huge influence, and he was at, he was uh, very closely connected to Illuminati. Actually, um, he his influence on Hegel, and he uh, interpreted Kant's dialectic in as thesis antithesis synthesis. But Hegel actually said it was abstract, abstract, sorry, negative, concrete. And uh, the negative is really important to uh, understand the focus of that because negative, it comes from the German word Afhaben. So essentially this is where the idea of sublation uh, comes from. And it means, it's an oxymoronic term. It means to uh, lift up while preserving and while simultaneously 
canceling and tearing down. And this is, of course, where the Frankfurt School, uh, you know, get, derives this term de culture, which means cancel culture in English. And I don't think that needs much explaining, much further explaining. So there were, I think I did go through the last time that there were the left and the right Hegelians. And so the left, the, sorry, the right Hegelians were the roots of Prussian militarism. And the whole education system got exported to the United States, uh, really through uh, the Leipzig connection, uh, Wilhelm Wundt uh, at, at Leipzig University. And then he, of course, trains uh, Stanley G, G. Stanley Hall, he, uh, who then mentored uh, John Dewey who was very uh, Hegelian and largely responsible for uh, the modern education system that we see today. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, Pavlovian uh, response, which is also very instrumental in what we see today with education. Um, so he brought them over. So the right Hegelians, and it's also in important to understand because the Prussian three-tier Prussian model of education was born after the Battle of Jena in uh, 1806, where they lost the battle and they were very devastated. They couldn't, it was during the Napoleonic Wars. They couldn't figure out why they lost. They realized that the, the soldiers rebelled because they were critical thinkers. So essentially they, the translations, they wanted to breed mindless, obedient soldiers. So this is what they have brought over to the United States. And this Prussian militarism is where we get things like sounding the bill, the bell, you know, to switch classes, uh, you know, it's very structured environment of, uh, you know, this class now, and then, you know, you can't go to the bathroom and, uh, you know, it's, it's this very militarized system and it is to breed obedience and compliance. So some of the right Hegelians were Karl Ritter, uh, Baron Otto von Bismarck, uh, Baron von Stockmar, who was a confidential advisor to the Queen Victoria, Karl Theodore Dahlberg, Arch-Chancellor in the German Reich related to Lord Acton, who is very famous for saying uh, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And he was uh, an Illuminati member. He was known as Baco Virulum in the Illuminati. And then we have the left Hegelians. And of course, the left Hegelians were focusing on promoting scientific socialism. And uh, the most famous of them would be Karl Marx, who I just went through, and Engels. Of course, we just talked about Henrik Hein, Marx Stirner, and Moses Hess, who was also a German philosopher. And uh, yeah, so the Prussian militarism was also responsible for uh, Nazism and uh, yeah, the rise of... Uh, of uh, the Nazi movement. And, okay, so we're, we don't have a whole lot of time. Again, I don't know, this is a lot to go through. Maybe I will make this a, a whole series. <laughs> um, but, uh, so one of the key figures was uh, Daniel Gilman, Daniel Coit Gilman, and he was a key activist in the revolution of education uh, by the order. He was tasked with creating the trust, essentially the Russell Trust, because remember it's a, it's Taft and Russell who are the co-founders of the order, and uh, that there's really very little information because they do everything in secret. It is a secret society, um, but uh, they have that. But most of the information that has been leaked is uh, this was the revolutionary trio: Neil, uh, Timothy Dwight, Daniel uh, Gilman who was the first president of the University of California, first president of Johns Hopkins University, first president of Carnegie Institution. Now, Carnegie Institution is really instrumental because as uh, 
uh, is written was going through. They had their document on uh, what was it conclusions and recommendations, and this is where they're uh, really laying out the whole groundwork to build these, uh, you know, world uh, essentially world servers, but you know the the training instead of education for uh, world education. Uh, and world compliance really is what it is. Uh, Hopkins is really relevant. Uh, there's the, all the connections to uh, Skull and Bones through Johns Hopkins and, uh, of course, the University of Berlin, which is uh, where Deutsch studied. A lot of them studied at University Gilman, also studied at the University of Berlin, and uh, so did White. So all of them were University of Berlin. Um, since we are running out of time, I think maybe I'm going to see if we can find some of the quotes uh, that just kind of drive some of these homes. So as I had mentioned, uh, John, Johann Gottlieb Ficke was a very strong influence on Hegel, who was a strong influence on Wundt. And Wundt, so Wundt really took it to the, um, he, he took it through the, the psychology and education of, uh, of Hegel, Hegelian philosophy. Uh, but one of the quotes from John Gottlieb, John Gottlieb Ficke, and he was the author of The Vocation of Man. So to understand, this is really, it's all about creating, you know, cogs in a machine for this globalized workforce. That's what this is all about. And that's really what they're trying to revolutionize education to do. And he said education should aim at destroying free will. So that after the pupils have left school, they shall be incapable throughout the rest of their lives of thinking or acting otherwise as their schoolmasters wished. Um, so that doesn't kind of sum up what they're looking for. Um, let me see if I can find some of the other quotes that I had. There was, I'm go through, I don't think I have time to go through all of this. Um, let's see. So, Gilman, as we have talked about before, was really instrumental actually in creating a, what they call a Land Grant College Act. And it was actually President Lincoln who signed it. And this was really huge for the order. Um, it was part of what, how they created the uh, Connecticut Share for Sheffield Science Scientific School and it also uh, Cornell University. And this made it so that they were able to uh, take a lot of land for these schools for the order to control. And uh, Sutton goes through this in much more detail than I have time to explain right now. Um, but essentially he says that, of course, the great advantage for Hegel, Hegel elite, uh, the state is absolute. The state is also fiction. So the order can manipulate the state. In effect, it becomes the absolute. It's a neat game. And like the Hegelian dialectic process, the order has worked like a charm. Um, let me see. What else can I finish up with? So I think, oh, they had, uh, this was through Horace Mann. And this was also a, a personal reference for me. Right, my neighbor who lived right across the street from me growing up went to Horace Mann. I had actually looked into going to Horace Mann. Um, there's this school in New York City, but he was a part of bringing the 1935 Mother's Primer uh, to uh, to uh, the United States. And part of this, uh, so part of this was the uh, it was through Gallaudet, which was a uh, you know he he founded the deaf schools, and they had this uh, 
thing called the look-say uh, method of reading. And Horace Mann was really instrumental in helping to bring this. And this is part of why we have the dumbing down of, uh, you know, reading comprehension and reading. It was, uh, you know, made, it was really designed for the deaf. And for the deaf, it was a wonderful tool. Uh, but this was, you know, not useful for uh, people learning how to read and really was very, it contributed largely to the decline of uh, reading in the United States. So, all right, I, I guess we we're, were going to try this again because I am running out of time and it has been a pleasure to share this with you. This is just a little taste. And, you know, again, if you want to dive in on your own, this is Anthony Sutton's Order of Skull and Bones. And uh, Charlotte is a written, the dumbing down, the deliberate dumbing down of America. Um, and then I had also pointed out if you're interested in the technology which they're using for SEL and all of this uh, data mining and uh, whatnot, that's the school world order, the technocratic globalization of corporatized education. And this is, of course, also all about creating public private partnership. So, well, I will continue. Uh, if this is of interest, you know, let me know and I will definitely go further, uh, though I have several other. Uh, episodes I want to bring to you I have some other research I am working on and I hope this has been of use and value and maybe now you can understand why I'm very against school choice and why I think it's a Trojan horse for uh, really a communist fascist technocratic takeover and we must uh, really fight against it so if you want to find more of my work you can go to CourtneyTurner.com again that's like Courtenay uh, C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y, Turner, T-U-R-N-E-R.com. And all of my podcasts are there. All of the ways you can support the show are there. And uh, you, there is a contact page as well, so you can send me messages. I'm pretty responsive. My social media handles are all on there as well. And, of course, the P.O. Box, again, is P.O. Box 680093, Franklin, Tennessee, 37068. And, uh, yes, yeah, so... Find me again, CourtneyTurner.com. And uh, yeah, we have uh, several exciting episodes. And I'm going to be going back to uh, the Senate, the state capitol uh, this week, I believe Tuesday, to urge them to put a stop to this bill, which they actually promised. I have it on record. Kabiki promised that we would have. And of course, we don't. We have. It's out and nobody has. No, the public has not seen the bill. So I will talk about that. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.